Father, we thank you for your presence here with us this morning. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will speak to every individual here today. Father, that which you've put on my heart at this Easter season, Lord, let there be an impartation by the Spirit. Father, would you cause there to be a transaction in our hearts for less of us and more of you? Lord, that we might step into all that you have for us as individuals and also as a church. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, at the center of human history, as you all know, is the greatest act of radical, extreme devotion and sacrifice that has ever, ever been made. Happened at Easter when Jesus left heaven, came to earth and died upon the cross for you and for me and for the salvation of mankind. The plan of salvation began before Adam sinned. Max Licardo, that great writer, puts it beautifully when he says this. He said, as Adam was eating the forbidden fruit in Eden, Jesus was leaving for Calvary. Incredible, eh? He goes on and says, hinged on this week is the door of eternity. Hinged on this Easter week is the door of your eternity, the door of your salvation and of mine. The cost of God becoming a man, being crucified, I think is beyond comprehension, beyond belief, beyond understanding. I want us to read in Isaiah 53. It's good to read the scriptures because it just gives us a a great idea of what it's like, uh, what it was like for Jesus. So we're going to read from verse 3. I'm not sure it's coming on the screen. It may not. Just maybe want to close your eyes and listen if you like. He was despised and rejected by men. That's a big statement in a start, isn't it? Imagine being despised and rejected all your life. People hear that or feel that right now. A man of sorrows. You know, that, that, that definition of Jesus always gets me. Like if anyone knows sorrow, heartache, crushing pain and struggle, it's Jesus. Don't ever think he doesn't understand where you're at. And what's going on in your life. If anyone understands, he does. So he was a man of sorrows. And we hid as it were our faces from him. So we still turned away from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. This happened just because of you and me. He was bruised for our iniquities. He hadn't done anything wrong. We did it all wrong. So he has to go to the cross. You talk about injustice, <laughs> that's the greatest injustice of all time. The, 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 the sinless suffering for the sinful, the, the, the innocent suffering for the guilty, you know, for you and for me. It's just, it's just incredible when you really think it through. Sometimes we feel we've had injustice, but boy, it's nothing compared to what Jesus went through. He was bruised for our iniquities. Chastisement of our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him <laughs> the iniquity of us all. It's just so unfair. He was impressed and he was afflicted. He, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And the sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. There's a lesson right there, isn't it? Keep zip it. Zip it. Especially when you're struggling. He was taken from prison and from judgment. Who will declare his generation? And it goes on from there. Amazing. The crucifixion was a horrific way to die. In fact, when you add the scourging to it, some criminals never made it to the cross. The scourging was so horrific that they died from that. And then, you know, I guess avoided the cross in some way. In that respect, it was so bad. It was, it was so bad that the Romans would never put a fellow Roman citizen to, to death that way. It was a most severe form of capital punishment. 
It was a brutal form of death, and it was reserved for the worst of criminals, for slaves, and for the Son of God. Mm, put your head around that. Hebrews 5 verse 7 says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Just think about that. Jesus' suffering was so great, he actually cried. Tears. He wept. I mean, this is, this is God crying. Does that, does that mess with your mind? <laughs> it does with mine. And he's crying out in anguish, great anguish. And I think how good of Jesus to actually tell us how he faced his hour of trial. There's, there's no cover-up here. <laughs> he said, you know, he's in tears. <laughs> he's in anguish. He's in pain. And he's not hiding it from anybody. Just so honest. And to God, the church could be as honest. <laughs> no cover-up. When you face your hour of trial, you can have tears. You can have anguish. You can have pain. You can have suffering. And you don't have to hide it from people. Because honesty is actually integrity. And I think it's what sets us free ultimately. No sacrifice will ever come close to the price Jesus paid for our salvation. No sacrifice I make for him could ever be too great. Let that resonate in your heart. No sacrifice you ever make for him could be too great when you think of what he's done for you. <clears throat> You know, I just want to want to, <clears throat> excuse me, get across in our Easter message today because I want it to let what Jesus said at Easter challenge us to follow in his footsteps and return worship to him <clears throat> with our own radical acts of devotion. He led the way. He demonstrated. And we want to return something to him. So let's go to Mark chapter 4. You okay out there? Yeah. All right, good, good. Good. Just Breathe loud every so often so I know you're awake. All right? Okay? Just, you know, it just encourages me, okay? Because some go very, very quiet. This is, this is a sort of a message you receive silently. But um, here we go. let's go. Um, Mark 4, verse 3 to 5. Mark 14. What am I talking about? Mark 14. All right, and being in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, he sat at the table, and a woman came with an alabaster flask of very costly oil of spike mud. She broke the flask and poured it on his head. But there were some who were indignant among themselves and said, why was this fragrant oil wasted? For it might have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they criticized her sharply. Verse 9, surely I say to you, wherever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be also told as a memorial for her. So what we see here is a radical act of devotion from Mary to Jesus. The perfume was worth 300 denarii. Denarii, one was worth a day's wages. So this act of devotion cost Mary almost a year's income. We put that at what, between 30 and 100,000? Some of you may be on more than that, 200 or 300. I don't know what you earn. You never quite know, do you? There may be some million dollar, any million dollar? No, you're not going to tell me anyway, are you? <clears throat> the thought is here, though, to give 
a year's salary to God in one go like this, which she did, poured it out on. How many of you agree that's a radical act of devotion? I mean, I've never done it, right? But it is a radical act of devotion. And I think the challenge for us, I think, is to give so generously that, that heaven sees it and takes note. Because that's what heaven does. Maybe for some people it's just to start giving a tithe, but hey, whatever. It's always, it's always voluntary. Eh? There's nothing forced. You don't have to do anything. It's, it's always got, it's got, got to, it always has to come from the heart, because if it's not from the heart, it's legalism. Legalism is deadly. It kills people. It, it forces people out of the church. We don't want legalism in any place in Church Unlimited. I mean, it might look like it sometimes, but that's not the heart behind it. The heart behind what we do is devotion to Jesus because he's what he's done for us. That's why we do these things. We don't have to do anything. We don't have to be in church. But something in our hearts wants to respond to what Jesus has done for us. There's something about financial generosity that really gets heaven's attention. It, 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 you just think about this. Don't worry, the whole message is not about money, all right? In case you think it is, it's not, all right? But I just wanted to bring this out. You know when the widow gave two mites? Into the offering, like Jesus, like he, he looks on, he, he sees this, and not only is he impressed by it, he actually gets it recorded in Scripture forever, saying that I noticed what this widow did, and I think the lesson from the widow is this: is not how much you give. She only gave two mites, a couple of pennies. The issue is the heart with which it was given. And someone said this, and I, I don't want to even say it, but I think I should say it. <laughs> I, I hate saying this, all right, because it challenges me. They reckon with giving, it's not, so much how much, it's not so much how much you give, it's how much you have left after you give. I saw the excited response on that. Yeah, I thought you would. But the point is this, that the, 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 the widow gave everything. Is that your girl crying, is it? Can you hear from here, right? <laughs> Tell the voice from here. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's commitment, eh? You've got your kids out there and you're down the front and you're running. It's fantastic. It's just amazing. But I wonder why Jesus takes so much note of this whole area, because I think it's true. If you, there's a lot of scriptures that talk about how when we give generously, God just, it just opens blessing over our lives. It actually opens heavens over our lives. And maybe, maybe Jesus notes it about money because it's, it's a little bit like money has such a hold on us. You know, it just like grips us, you know, and to let it go. John Wesley said the last part of our lives to get converted is our wallet. And I think there's a lot of truth in that. So I think when someone gets set free from this thing, it's like heaven goes, woohoo, this is incredible. Someone's really finally got the deal, but it releases great blessing on us. But see, the disciples criticized Mary and said, why this waste? You know, it's interesting. When you begin to live a life of radical devotion to God, some people are going to say to you, don't waste your life. Spend it on better stuff. They might even say, look at the raw deal you've had anyway. What would you keep following after that? And it can, you know, people say that because it may make them feel uncomfortable. When, I, when God called me, and he may not call you this way, but he called me, I had to leave my accountancy and my law degree. I said, I just said, thank you, Jesus, actually, to be honest. <clears throat> but, but, you know, in a follow, I went to be a missionary. One person came up to me that I knew really well and respected and said, Tut, don't waste your life. I mean, it was hard to hear. I mean, I was only, this is a couple of centuries back, I was only 20 years old. 
And someone come on and say, what a waste. And folks, you've got to come to terms with this. People are going to say that to you. They're going to say, why are you doing that? Come on, don't go overboard with this stuff. You know, just be reasonable. You know, you've done enough here. Imagine if the Heavenly Father said to Jesus once he got to earth, you've done enough. Skip the cross. Huh? He could have said that, but he didn't. We still all right? Okay, all right. So it's going to get worse. Romans 12.1. <clears throat> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So radical act of devotion really is to a full surrender of our lives to God, whether it's in the marketplace or at school or at home or at church. And you know what that full surrender requires? It requires putting aside your own plans, your own agendas, maybe your OE that some people have on their list. I'm not saying you can't do it, but you need to submit it to the will of God. And it means going all in and all out for the all in all. You get to a place of devotion, think about this, all right? Here's the challenge. Well, you can look God in the face and look God, Jesus in the eye and say, okay, Jesus, here I am. I'm all yours. Anytime, any place, at any cost. Thank you for that overwhelming response to that powerful point. And then some of you thinking, oh man, I, I, know, I knew I should have stayed home this morning. Just listen for a moment. This is the pathway to the most exciting and fulfilling life possible on planet Earth. This is what you were created for. Because the Bible says if you lose your life, that's actually when you find it. It's when you die to self that you actually begin to live. Some Christians never quite get it, and they struggle all their way, way through. And so I'm helping you to come into freedom and into the blessing of God. <clears throat> 2 Chronicles 4, 16 verse 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is fully committed to him. Imagine that, the eyes of the Lord, just he's zooming all across the entire globe. He's looking for Christians, someone, somewhere whose heart is fully committed to him. And that's when heaven goes, wow, this is amazing. Radical acts of devotion. You know, I was praying yesterday, and the Holy Spirit reminded me how his prophetic words to Church Unlimited have been very accurate. Acceleration of expansion, new era of conquest, momentum that never ends. Some of these words came several years ago, and I thought, God, that's, you, surely you don't mean that. You know, that's, the one that really got me was momentum that never ends. And I thought, that momentum always ends. But if you look at Church Unlimited Global, it's just continuing to expand and enlarge and increase. And, um, and uh, you know, there's a person coming to see me this week, and they're wanting to start a church unlimited in another Western nation, which I'm not free to tell you, but you would be shocked if I told you where it is. But it's like it just keeps happening. And God spoke to me a while ago, and he said, these campuses are going to go across Across the nations. And I thought, really? Like, how? And you know, some of you need to listen to for the voice of the Holy Spirit because um, He may just ask you to start a church unlimited campus in the nation of your origin. I can see real excited faces now. I mean, do you love your nation? Yeah, that's because you're from New Zealand. You love your nation? 
I'll leave that there, move on to the next point. <coughs> Should God speak to you, it will probably require a radical act of devotion. There are some nations on God's heart, and I know it. People, God's going to start stirring some people up and speaking to them. Jim Elliot was a missionary to the Orca Indians, was killed at the age of 29. Watch this. They asked his wife, Elizabeth Elliot, when did Jim die? I don't know if you've ever read this. She replied, he died in high school. When his friends were pursuing their personal desires, Jim was kneeling beside his bed with his Bible, and there he died to self. See, once you've died to self, it's actually easy. There's no fight left. You just follow where he leads. And you know, it's time, I think, God is calling us to die to self and surrender to the will of God for our lives. One of the, if we're going to see some of these prophetic words of the church unlimited fulfilled, it's going to take some radical acts of devotion. It's great to have these wonderful words, campuses, growth, enlargement, New Zealand, oh, blah, 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 blah. It's fantastic. But then God said, now, if you really want to see this, <clears throat> and that's why Easter's a good time to talk about it, because Jesus modeled it for us. What he would do to reach lost people, he'd go to a cross. What would we do to reach lost people? What radical acts? And the Holy Spirit has to speak to us. I'm not going to tell you what to do. It has to be from the Spirit of God. And he would have, but you know, radical devotion actually releases spiritual power. Jesus' great act of devotion led to the release of resurrection power that works miracles, healings, raises the dead, you know, heals the sick, makes the blind to see. You know, lives get changed, marriages get healed, people get restored, uh, bodies get healed, and cities get transformed, nations get transformed. The release of spiritual power when Jesus did that radical act of devotion, gave him his life on the cross. It was like there was this monumental explosion of spiritual power that hit the earth and you know, shook it to its foundations, releasing salvation and, and transformation for all of humanity. But it took a cross, it took a radical act of devotion to release the incredible spiritual power that came as a result of that. You know, in some places... Uh, you know, when you talk about the stuff I'm talking about, it, it's, uh, we live in a consumer generation. We want all our needs, we want all our desires met. It's all about me. And someone comes and talks about sacrifice, radical acts of devotion. It touches a raw nerve. It's like, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> oh, we won't leave you alone. <laughs> we can't leave you alone. There's too much at stake with what God wants to do. But you know, in many churches, in many places, not all churches, they preach a good life gospel. You know, come to Jesus and... You know, he'll meet your needs, he'll answer your prayers, you've got a sweet ride to heaven and all the rest of it. And the message of sacrifice has been relegated to a place of lesser importance. You don't hear many messages like this on sacrifice anymore. You just don't. But I'm here to say to you, with the removal of sacrifice, there's a removal of power. No cross, no resurrection power. No Easter, no sacrifice, no acts of devotion, no power. If we want power, seriously, it does take a level of sacrifice. See, C.T. Studd gave up being an all-England cricketer. Imagine that. Imagine you're good enough to play for your nation. And he just gave it all up. I mean, radical act of devotion. But not only that, he also gave away his entire fortune. He had £145,000 or dollars or whatever it was. 
He gave it all away. It would be worth millions, tens of millions today. Gave it all away, and he went to Africa and China as a missionary. But the release of spiritual power and anointing and blessing over his life was astronomical. He saw multitudes saved. He saw nations impacted for Jesus. But it started with a radical act of devotion. Two radical acts of devotion. Release of this amazing spiritual power. You could ask him, was it worth it? He would say, absolutely yes, because he said this, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice can be too great for me to make for him. Do you know we're all missionaries? You know, you're the missionary on your street. You're the missionary in your community. You're your missionary at your school. You're the missionary in your workplace. You're, you're, you're the missionary wherever God has put you. So I want you to tell the person next to you nice and loud, you are a missionary. <clears throat> you are. Hey, some of you wonder what your calling is. Now you know. Next time you put your business card together, right near the top, missionary. Hey, called to the nations of the world, whatever. We're all missionaries. If we'd, we'd live out our missionary life, we'd get this nation saved in no time. But it will take some sacrifice. You just can't run away from that. It's just a part of the deal. And you know, as the spiritual temperature is ramping up in Church Unlimited, it's time for radical acts of devotion. If you want to see what you've not seen before, you've got to do what you've not done before. Come on. You know, if you want power that you've not had before, then and results like you've not had before, you've got to go deeper in Devotion to the Lord. 2 Chronicles 7, 14. This is what Easter's about. Is that on the screen? Read it with me. If my people, that's you and me, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. To humble yourself speaks of fasting. See, prayer and fasting requires a level of radical devotion to God. Because most Christians will not fast, or many will not fast, so it takes devotion. But it is a key to releasing spiritual power. It's a key to seeing personal breakthrough. It's a key to seeing this city turn to Jesus. It's a key to seeing revival break out on this campus where God has planted you right here in this center of Auckland City. In this, this unity, I mean, it's incredible that we're meeting right here, sowing the seeds of revival week by week, day by day. So we're calling churches across New Zealand, as I said, to 10 days of prayer and fasting. And prayer and fasting will help fulfill why Jesus died on the cross and rose again. See, Jesus came, why? Why did he do Easter for the salvation of the world? When we pray and fast, God says, I will move in power and I'll turn people to Christ. I will heal your land. When we join in prayer and fasting, we're joining in the mission of Jesus that he started at Easter some 2,000 years ago. When we pray and fast, there's five powerful things that happen. Watch this. Number one, Paul fasted and he discovered God's assignment for him. You check Acts chapter 13. When you begin to fast, you get direction from your life. You begin to understand where God wants you to go. Secondly, there's no telling what God will do over the 10 days and the weeks that follow because you cannot pray and fast and not see amazing things happen in your life and in those around you. Matthew 6, number three says, when you give, when you pray, when you fast, God does very powerful things in your life. Even when you've forgotten the fast, 
God still continues to bless, answer prayer, and open doors. A lot of what you're seeing in Church Unlimited right now, the open doors and the nations of growth, New Zealand beyond, UK and beyond, Pakistan and beyond, campuses, so many prophetic words coming as a result, I'm telling you now, of 30 years of prayer and fasting. Every week, every Thursday, plus three days, 10 days, 21 day fast, we've done it. It's like the, the bowls, the prayer bowls of heaven are full and God's starting to pour it out all over Church Unlimited, which means all over you. Number four, God's word and promises start to be fulfilled in our lives. You know, you have promises from God. We all have them prophecy. We think, well, God, what's happening? Why isn't anything happening? I want to say, just why don't you pray and fast? You'll begin to release what God has planned for your life. Begin to release the promises of God. One more thing. The Bible says, if you humble yourself, God will exalt you. You can't humble yourself with fasting and not be exalted in due season. You just cannot do it. If you humble yourself with fasting and prayer, God will, in some way, some shape, some form, exalt you in due time. So, if you've not yet filled in that form, do it now and uh, be a part of it. So we've got this, you've got this opportunity to join us in Radical Acts of Devotion with 10 days of prayer and fasting starting this Tuesday and uh, through till whenever it finishes the following Thursday. But in addition to that, guess what? We're going to give you another opportunity for a Radical Act of Devotion. I'll explain this in a moment to join us for an all-night prayer meeting. Yeah, it's... About the response I got at West. There might have been two or three more there. So I know that here, you're going to be meeting Friday at 8 till 10 p.m., all right? And after that, you get in your car and you do not go home. Do not go past Go. Do not collect 200, whatever it is. Drive directly to the West Campus because we are going from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. We're praying through the night, through the night, through the night. We're praying through the night, all right? Because it's time to get radical for God. If we want to see what we've not seen before, we've got to do what we've not done before. And, uh, you know, it's, if you need a personal breakthrough, 10 days of prayer and fasting plus a night of prayer, I promise you, is going to make a difference. I'm not saying it'll give you a complete answer, but it will make a difference. You know, Bill Johnson, we all love reading his books and seeing his miracles. Guess what? They have an all-night prayer and fasting every week. Thank God you're not in his church. Hey? <laughs> huh? Yeah, we do it once a year. Mind you, I think we might do a few more of these. All right, but before you tune out, let me add, you may feel you need to have some food on Friday. That's okay. Also, it's okay to take a nap during the night. Bring a pillow. Bring a sleeping bag. All right? Because some people say, I'm not gonna, I'm not, some people won't come because they think, I can't stay awake, I'll fall asleep. Hey, I'm planning to fall asleep myself because Julian's going to run that 2 o'clock session. All right? Because he's young and full of life and power. All right? It's time for the next generation to pick up the banner and go hard for Jesus. That may sound like a joke, but it's not a joke. It's really, come on, next generation. We've got to step up to the mark now. This is a, a day of unparalleled opportunity anywhere across the globe. You know, the, the temperature is ramping up. God is beginning to pour out His Spirit. And man, you know, sometimes I wish I was 25 now. I think, boy, this is the season for God to do some extraordinary things. So there'll be coffee and tea available and I've asked them to add a bit of vodka and whiskey as well. That's just a joke, all right? That is a joke. My wife will kill me if she thought it wasn't a joke. All right. So you say to me, Pastor, stay up all night. Be reasonable. Come on, we can't do this. Well, some of you, before you were saved, danced all night, partied all night, got drunk and went home at 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the morning. Come on, I know. 
I know you've done that. And some of you, even as Christians, you've got up in the early hours of the morning to watch some stupid game of sport or tennis or cricket or rugby or World Cup or something. Yeah, yeah you got up at two o'clock in the morning. Don't tell me you can't stay up all night. I've got your names. I know who's done this. Others of you have studied all night for an exam because you were too lazy to work during the term. I've got you all now, haven't I? You know, we sing the song. I don't know if you've ever sung it here. And the song goes, uh, this is how we party. We define the party. Do you know, have you heard that one song here? They sing it down at West anyway. They sang it last Sunday night, so I pointed to some of the young people who sang it. But you know, this is how we party. We define the party. You know, the world has defined how to party. They have defined what you do when you go through the night. It's time for the church to redefine the party. It's time for us to say, we party by seeking God. We party by praying and fasting. We party by radical acts of devotion. We define the party. Church Unlimited is going to redefine the party. Had enough of the world dictating how everything should happen. You know the devil is most active through the hours of the night. That's when the church needs to take back the night through prayer and seeking God and fasting and reaching out to Him. Friends, if you want to see what you've not done be- seen before, you've got to do what you've not done before. If you want power like you've not had before, you've got to do some stuff that releases the power that you've not had before. It's time to redefine the party. And we are defining the party, and the party is prayer all night in Jesus' name. Listen to this. All of history's great revivals have one attribute in common. People fervently prayed for them. Watch this. November 1949, the Hebrides Islands. Two elderly women in their 80s. Just looking for the over 80s here. I see a few hands going up. Two elderly women in their 80s decided on radical acts of devotion. They decided not once but twice a week they would pray from 10 p.m., to 3 a.m. They invited leaders to join them. A few weeks later, you see, they, what they were concerned about was there was no young people in the church. And they decided, we're going to do something about this. Is there something you have a concern about? We're going to do something about it. A few weeks after they were praying and fasting, praying and crying out to God, the Scottish preacher, Duncan Campbell, visited the island to preach. Revival broke out. Hundreds came to know Christ, but on the first day of the revival, 122 young people gave their lives to Christ. Two 80-plus-year-old women redefined the party. They said, we will pray through the night, 10 to 3 a.m. The heavens were opened. God poured out His Spirit. And hundreds of young people say, revival broke out. You want to see what you've not seen before? We've got to do what we've not done before. We've got to go where people have not gone before. A bit like Star Trek, isn't it? Going to the unknown. Going where no man has gone before. Going where no church has gone before. Other churches have been there before, but maybe it's time to join them in it. Jesus pulled an all-nighter in Luke 6, 12 to 13. He went out all night to the mountain to pray. Continued all night in prayer. Then selected the 12. It amazes me that Jesus needed to pray for so long. The Son of God, like, what? 
And you have to wonder, what did he pray about for all night? But I know this much. If he had to pray that long, so do we. They say once we commit to seek God, half night, all night of prayer, he honors our decision by empowering us with special grace, strength, and physical stamina. Those who have had all-night prayer meetings, they often say this, that they see in the morning hours the glory and power of God seems to increase, even though it's the time when the fewest people are there. People feel tired by the end, but they say God makes up for it. Friends, church, the time has come for radical acts of devotion. We can wait no longer. The church of Jesus Christ desperately needs, as does our nation, an outbreak of the Holy Spirit and a release of power. Let's step across the line and say, God, you gave your all for me at Easter. Now you can count on me. I'm all in. I'm all out for the all in all. It's time to go to the next level. In Jesus' name. Amen.